Good morning, Exchange Church. Um, I have a couple of exciting things to share with you before I begin. Uh, the first thing is, I just got word that we have over 70 unique homes watching service today. So that is uh, huge. I'm super excited about that. So give yourself a hand or pat on the back. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, the second thing is uh, we, how do I phrase this? Um, I don't know, we have, we have broken Exchange Church history. This has never ever happened before, but today you're actually witnessing it. So it's a, it's a good thing you're watching online. But today we have reached building capacity at the Exchange Church. That's right, uh, we have reached our number of 10. So anyway, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be in your living rooms. Um, you really didn't need to clean up for me, but I appreciate the effort. I'm, I'm glad to be in your home with you. I think we're gonna have a good time today. I want to encourage you. I know that you can hear me better than I can hear you, but I want to encourage you to engage in the sermon because what happens when we engage is we activate our faith. So when you hear something that the preacher says that you like, give it a good amen. If you hear something that your husband needs to hear, hit replay um, on the video and, and let him hear that one more time. Um, anyway, gather your kids around for our message today. I felt in the room during worship, and I'm sure you felt it at home too, uh, just overwhelming gratitude for the global church, the local church, the exchange church, but also the global church. Knowing the people that are watching today, we have the Harrises from out of state watching. Hello, good to, good to see you. And we have the Dinsmores. Today is Lauren's birthday. Shout out to Lauren, happy birthday. Uh, Brantley and Amber, some really good friends of Carrie and I. They've not been able to be at the Exchange Church, but because we're live streaming today, they're joining us. There's, the list goes on and on. So I'm just super excited to sense so much family. I was reminded of Genesis 1, 1 and 2, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Potentially we could feel like today that society is a bit void, that society feels like it's headed towards lawlessness, that things in our finances or our career, I've heard a number of families just in our own church that have had devastating consequences of this pandemic. And so it could feel to us at home today that things seem to be going downhill, but I just wanna remind all of us that God is in the business. When he started this thing, he understood what it meant to hover over the waters, to hover over the deep places of our life, the dark areas of our life. And I just sense a hovering today. So what you're not going to hear from me in this sermon today is I, I don't know, an attaboy, or come on guys, just push through. We can make it just one more week or one more month, or God, please, where are you? You're not, you're not gonna hear that from me because I sense that there's a shifting going on in the spirit realm. I sense that today the church of Jesus Christ is stronger than it has ever been in the history of the church. I believe that the power of God is more at work today than we have ever seen, at least in my lifetime. So, so today is about a call to action. Today is saying, hey church, it's time for us to wake up. 
It's time for us to become alive again. It's time for us to step out into the areas of faith that God has been trying to get us to step out into. I want to take you uh, to my scripture, but before I do that, as soon as this service is done, and I think you've heard it already, and you'll hear it again at the end of service, Carrie and the prayer team will be hosting prayer on our Facebook page. They're going to do a Facebook Live. They'll be praying over you. But I want to encourage you to go to our website, click on the calendar, because we have a host of events online scheduled to equip you, to connect you, to develop you. And there will be more added. There will be times of worship. There's times of teaching. Tonight at 5 o'clock, Carrie and I are going to have a discussion in our home. Uh, which I'm not going to clean before you show up. So you'll just have to be okay with that. But at five o'clock, Carrie and I are going to have a discussion on this is a season of miracles. We believe that in our spirit so much, and we just want to chat with you. So please check out the calendar online at theexchangechurch.org and connect with us. Let's go to our text, Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While you and I were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. Not only this, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This entire block of text is a cornerstone of faith and hope. And, and today I want to talk to you on the subject of it just takes a stone. It just takes a stone. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you that your spirit is in every, every home. I see it. I sense it. I sense that you're working, God, among us. God, I ask that our faith would be stirred, that whatever has been laid dormant in our lives would become activated right now in the name of Jesus. God, that sitting on our couch, sitting at our tables, eating our migas, whatever it is that we're doing, Holy Spirit, that you will just invade our territory, invade our space. God, we thank you for the hope and the future and the peace that we can find in you. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. Amen. I want to read to you a story. It's called Stone Soup. It's a European folktale. Now, the moral of the story is not what I'm preaching on today. It I'm preaching more on 
the imagery of the story, the thought behind the story. But I want to turn your attention now uh, to this children's book, this fable, and it begins simply like this. Poor fox was hungry. He looked and looked for food. Then he had an idea. Listen, everyone. I will make magic soup using only this stone. Bring me a pot and some water, he said to the other animals. Bear thought fox was odd, but he brought a big pot. Elephant thought fox was odd too, but he was hungry, so he brought some water. Rabbit had a few carrots. He threw them in the pot. Mouse thought his beans would taste good with the carrots, so he added them too. Other animals smelled the soup. It smelled good. They added onions and peas and potatoes. The stone soup was ready. What a feast, Fox smiled as he ate. What a great idea. Fox only had a stone. And I wonder how many of us in our situation today, we, we think, I only have a stone, what good is a stone. But, you know, God has a, a tendency, a history of using people with stones, with just a single stone to take down giants, to break down walls, even to build walls around special cities. Like God will use a stone. I brought a stone from my house, actually. This is a stone. Um, I don't know if you can see it or not. It's a picture of a tree. I painted this stone. And I tried to make it look like stained glass. It's a picture of a tree with a blue sky and then the stained glass grass and uh, everything beneath it. I think it's uh, probably the best artwork I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I did this during a time when uh, Carrie and I were just really going through some very rough times instability in our world, just super high stress. And the Lord had reminded Carrie, she was in a conversation with our pool guy, our pool guy who takes care of our pool. He's a, he's a born again believer, man of God. And they were standing there talking under the tree and he, he was just encouraging our family. And it was a hot summer day. And he, he told Carrie, he said, you know, God planted this tree that was standing under the shade. He said, God planted this tree decades ago because he knew that you and I were going to be having this conversation and would need a place to stand in the shade. And so trees have become something in our life and in our world of, of God sees us. He sees the areas where we, we need cover from the elements. He sees uh, the areas where our life needs the roots to grow deeper. And so I painted this stone. It actually sits at my front door. So if you come to my house ever, you'll see the stone there. And it's just a reminder to my family that God is faithful. He's faithful through every storm, every season. There's this notion in scripture about a cornerstone. This is not a cornerstone. This is a, a regular stone that I made look a little fancy. But there is this notion of a cornerstone. In Isaiah 28, 6, it says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. A cornerstone, when homes were completely built out of, of uh, brick, they would have a, a stone on the corner and it would set the parameters for the home. So 
the corner of the stone this way, the wall would align with that, and then the stone here, which was parallel to the road or whatever it was, the home would go only that far. It was, it was the cornerstone that set the boundaries for the home. It was the cornerstone that determined the direction of the home, which way it would face. And I believe in this season of our life and walk with the Lord, we need to examine some cornerstone beliefs that we have. And I've written a few down, some cornerstones of faith. It's important because especially in a time like this when chaos seems to break out, it is our belief system that drives our behavior. It's not our behavior that drives our belief. It's our belief system. So, so if I can back up from my behavior, however crazy it may be, whether I'm, I'm filling my shopping cart with a, a ton of toilet paper or all the Purell in the world, or, or maybe I'm hoarding and not wanting to be generous and help my elderly neighbor who needs something down the road, I can try to fix behavior all day long, but that behavior flows out of a belief system. So I want to talk to you today about four belief systems that as a church we believe, and I would encourage you as a follower of Jesus, as a person of faith, as someone that loves the Lord to also follow uh, these. There are more than four uh, stones of belief, cornerstones of belief, but I'm just giving you four today, and you can sit down with your family and reevaluate. Do you agree with these? Are there more that we should include? The first one is this. The first cornerstone of faith is God is good. God is good. You have to determine for yourself if you really believe that. Because it's, it's easy as a follower of Jesus or a, a Sunday morning Christian, right, or a, a holiday attender, it's easy for us when we're in a situation like we're in currently to ask ourselves the question of, if God is good, then why this? When you look across the globe and you see people dying of hunger and you see the sex traffic victims of the world, it's easy for us to say, but God could stop it all. If God were good, then why X, Y, and Z. Do you believe that God is good? We have to get that settled. If you don't fully believe that God is good, I, and I know I've, I've had moments too where I've said from my mouth, oh, I believe that God is good. But then I sit back in my own little isolated corner and I think to myself, well, I believe God is good to everyone else, but not to me. Or everyone else deserves a good God, but I don't. Is God good? I would say to you today that his goodness does not avoid judgment. God will pour out judgment on the world, but it's not a judgment against people. It is a judgment against thing, things that come against his love, things that come against life. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes to still kill and destroy. So if there is stealing, if there is killing, if there is destroying, it's not sent by God, it's sent by the enemy because we know that God is good and he has come so that you and I can have life and have it to the full. He came to reveal himself primarily in Scripture, in the world, as Father. Not, not as Jesus, the homeboy. Not as Jesus, the 
the, the finance caretaker, not as, as Jesus, the healer, which he did all of those things. And he is our friend and, and he is our comforter and all, all of these things. But the primary thing he came to do was to be father. He showed up on the scene of an orphan world and wanted them to know what it meant to be cared for by a father who would never leave them and never forsake them. Do you believe today that God is good? The second point, the second foundation of faith that we have to believe, we have to believe this, is that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. I, I have to tell you, I've had my fair share of praying for people that didn't get healed. Praying for marriages that ended in divorce. Praying for my own sanity that resulted in more insanity. Uh, there was this one time I was praying for, I was on staff in College Station at Skybreak Church, my pastors, Danny and Janet Green, which by the way, please join me in praying for them during this. Uh, we, we do not want Pastor Janet, who is fighting through cancer, uh, to have any disease come near her home. So we have just been praying a covering of protection over my pastors, Pastor Danny and Janet, and a wall of fire around them. But anyway, I was, I was serving their vision at the, not the exchange, at Skybreak. And I remember in staff, we prayed for a guy. Of, he had an, a little infection on his finger. And so I thought, well, that's easy. I'll pray for that. And so I'm there in staff and I pray and I'm just believing God for a healing. And then I found out a week later he had to have it amputated. So the joke, running joke on staff was, if you want to get well, don't have Trey pray for you. And it was, it was funny for a while, but I'm always glad when I see God actually answer the prayers that I'm praying. But I don't stop praying just because I've seen prayers not get answered in the way that I wanted them to be answered. Every situation I go to in prayer, I have to step into that prayer closet, into that divine moment, believing that nothing is impossible for God. Whether he does it or he doesn't, that's on him. He, he gets to make that decision, his sovereignty, his will, all of that is on him. I am only accountable for the level of faith that I bring to the table. To, to believe that there is nothing impossible for our God. The third belief system, cornerstone belief, and I'm moving quickly through these four beliefs because I really want to get to the four behaviors that flow out of the beliefs. The third belief is everything that we will ever need was purchased at the cross. Everything you will ever need was purchased at the cross. You don't have to beg God to get off of his throne and continue working. It's been done. You don't have to storm heaven and beg for healing. Everything that you need, it, it was already done at Calvary. It was already done at the cross. You and I have to believe that there is nothing new under the sun. The devil has no new schemes, but God doesn't have any tricks up his sleeve he's waiting to release. All power of heaven and earth that belongs to him has been released to you and I and the kingdom. Everything was already accomplished at the cross. The fourth belief that we have to get inside of us for our behaviors to flow out of is, I am significant. I am significant. Our significance comes, by the way, from his significance. It's not because we can 
write a good sermon or we can sing a good song or we can we can teach kids really well or any talent or gifting that we carry even if it's a spiritual gift i can prophesy great that's that's wonderful but that gift is from him our significance is not found in who we are our significance is found in him there is an aspect in each and every one of us if you're sitting in a home right now with more than just yourself you can look at that other person in the room and you can let them know that they carry an aspect of God that is very unique to his nature I carry an aspect of God that is very unique to his nature that's why the body of Christ when we come together it fully represents him because we all carry different aspects of him and once I found his significance I'm not impressed with my own so these are the four thoughts that create behaviors I'll ref I'll go through them God is good nothing is impossible for God everything that we will ever need was purchased at the cross and I am significant and then the remaining eight minutes that I have I want to talk about the four behaviors that flow out of these beliefs the first behavior that we see come from these is because God is good you are required to dream big because God is good you are required to believe that even if you only have a stone Matthew 6 33 if you seek him first in his righteousness all of these other things will be added to you the the carrots will get thrown in the potatoes will get thrown in the onions will get thrown in the hot sauce will be set on the side for you everything that you need to have that soup even if you only have a stone it will happen if you dream big because the moment you stop dreaming is the moment you start dying the orphan heart dreams only of survival but the son heart dreams dreams of destinies if you're a son and you're a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords your dreams are not just to have enough toilet paper for the month your dreams are to be able to carry the supplies with somehow I thought I was running out but somehow everything is multiplying in my storage room and I'm able to supply the needs of all the elderly in my neighborhood I'm 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 able to supply all of Austin Texas wouldn't that be amazing wouldn't that be amazing if if we stepped into an era of miracles where because we had such big dreams God revved up his supply for us because God is good you are required to dream big some of us spend way too much time debating if we should do good I, I don't know I'm stepping on my toes I'm offending myself a little bit here because over the past few days Carrie and I have um, made some deliveries to church family and um, tried to get not just church family but our family and and when we see a need we're trying to fill it um, and Carrie just is so so generous and it's it's amazing and she was teasing me not that I'm not generous I'm generous too um, but I said okay so let's look at the stock and make sure that we have enough to help everyone that we're wanting to help and she was like who are you serving do you serve God or are you serving the supply count and so she she offended me a little bit we're working through that that's why she's watching online at home today rather than being one of the ten on campus 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We spend so much time debating if we should do good. If it's loving others, if it's pointing others to Jesus, if it's within your capacity to do good, the answer is always yes. The answer is yes. If you know that it is God's will for you to care for the orphans and the widows, the answer is always yes. The how, he supplies the how. The, the answer is just always yes. We need to start dreaming bigger. Our dreams are too confined by our own reality. We need to understand we're living a life based on God's kingdom, on God's economy, not based on America's economy, not based on the health of our nation, whether it's up or down or the health of our stock portfolio. You and I, if we really believe that God is good, we will dream bigger. Even when you're in quarantine, even when you can't go out to your mailbox, even when you can't go to your friend's house for a birthday party, whatever the scenario is that we want to wallow in self-pity. I know I've already been there after four hours on quarantine, Carrie looked at me and she said, it's going to be a long road for us. Like I've already wallowed in that because I wanted to get out of the house, but even in quarantine, I can still dream. Not dreaming of being out of the house, dreaming of, God, how can you use me next? How can you use me today? In John chapter 16, verse 23 through 24. Write this scripture down. I don't think we're going to show it today, but you can go back and, and read it. It says, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You know, God dreams. You know what God's dream is? God, God's dream for us is that we would have joy. That's what this verse is saying. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The Bible says that that was the prize for Jesus going through what he went through was joy. He carried all of the sin, all of the guilt and shame, everything that needed to be nailed to the cross. When, when that happened, he went through that experience and the prize was your joy. For you to dream big, to have joy, even in seasons where it appears to be lacking, for joy to rise up within you. Because he is good, you are required, you are commanded to dream big. The third, the second, the second behavior that I want to talk about is if we really believe that nothing is impossible with God, then a huge part of our life should revolve around this notion of taking risks. Not playing it safe, but, but to take risk. Faith is all about stepping out into the unknown. To helping people when you don't know if it how it's going to work, to believing God for even when you get laid off, that he's going to find a way for that mortgage to get paid. He's going to find a way for there to be food in your pantry. Take, taking risk and not being stingy with our resources because the economy looks like it might be tanking, but continuing to trust God in our tithe and continuing to trust God in helping our neighbor down the road. 
abiding faith is faith where my identity is solid. I know who I am in Christ and I know who Christ is in me. That's abiding faith, but active faith stands on the shoulders of abiding faith. Active faith is very missionally driven. I believe that there are many Christians sitting in homes today that are very confident in who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them, yet they will sit at home and do nothing for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God, to, to advance the mission of Jesus Christ because they only have an abiding faith, not an active faith. You, you and I have to work from identity, not for it. Some of us are going around trying to help everyone and do really good things because we want to prove to ourselves that we are a son or that we are a daughter or that God loves us. You can't work for your identity. You work from your identity. Now I get that we are not saved by works lest any man should boast, but when you are truly saved, your works will follow. Our active faith in this season. Our faith, by the way, is not on quarantine. I don't know if you've heard that yet. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't heard the president make that announcement or the WHO make that announcement, but I'm here to declare that God has not quarantined his power. God has not quarantined his ability to meet your needs. God has not quarantined his presence so that you have to feel alone, even if you are home alone in an apartment somewhere with no family to, to watch Netflix with. God's presence is just as available to you today as it was pre-quarantine, and it will be just as available today as it will be post-quarantine. It's time to take risks. The third behavior If we really believe the third point, the third belief, that every battle has already been won at Calvary, then our behavior that flows out of that is we will trust God. We will trust God. And it's easy to say that we trust God when all of our bills are paid. It's easy to say that we trust God when we're getting up and we're going to work every day. But what happens when we get that pink slip? Do they still call it that? I don't know. What happens when we don't get to go into work? What happens when we have to take a leave of absence or a furlough or our company is downsizing and we don't know how we're going to support our family? What happens in those moments? That's where trust is proven. I just want to let you know today that fear is nothing more than a prophet spirit from hell to give us a negative view of the future, to cause us to make fear-based decisions. Unfortunately, God will not honor fear-based decisions. Faith is the Spirit of God from heaven that causes you and I to make faith-based decisions. And when we make faith-based decisions, all of heaven backs us on those decisions. He causes it to come to pass. The wind is behind our sails. We are moving forward in a way that we could not have moved on our own. Why? Because we didn't walk in fear. We walked in faith. And I get that Satan is always showing you a horror show of the future. The enemy 
wants to play this movie screen about your husband, about your wife, about your finances, about your career, about your health, about your, you name it. I mean, you've probably been playing some of those films yourself. I get that, that he wants to do that, but faith gives you the courage to move on anyway. Faith allows you to trust anyway. And thank God that Jesus acted above his fear. When he came to this earth to, to allow you and I to be in relationship with our creator, when he was facing the cross, I'm sure he dealt with some fear. And I thank Jesus that he acted above his fear. There is some good fear, I suppose. When you're driving down the road and you see a car swerve in front of you, you have this automatic response, this fight or flight thing where or I suppose you could freeze in that scenario. I wouldn't advise it. But if a car is coming head on and, and you swerve the car, there's an instant adrenaline rush. That's a good fear. It's a good fear to not want to touch a hot stove. It's a good fear to pay attention and stay awake when you're driving on an overpass that's like 30 stories high. There are some good fears, but good fear is only circumstantial. Once the threat leaves, the fear leaves. Bad fear is you driving down the road thinking every oncoming car is about to swerve in your lane. Bad fear is every bridge that you drive on thinking there's going to be a gust of wind that's going to take you off that ledge. Bad fear is from the enemy. Bad fear is expecting the devil to move in your life. Faith is expecting God to move in your life. Real faith is anchored in what Jesus did on the cross, not in what your current circumstances is. You know, I, today, actually, I'm delivering to Sherry a tithe check. Someone gave that to me, um, and so I've got to give it to the church. They give it to me throughout the week, and normally I don't take tithe checks, but in this case, well, I'm related to the person, so I took the check, and I'm going to hand it off to Sherry, and uh, so, so proud of the decision of people to continue to trust God even in uncertain times. But you know, when I give that check to Sherry today, and it's a substantial check, when I give it to Sherry, she's not going to look at me and say, oh, Trey, thank you so much for giving this much money. I'm not actually giving that money. I'm just the deliverer, right? And I wonder how many of us would trust God more if we understood that we're not writing the checks, we're just delivering the checks. We don't have to come up with all of the solutions. We just have to trust a God who has a bank account big enough to write the checks that we need. We don't get the glory for the checks. We just deliver the checks. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's read that one more time. Focus with me. I'm wrapping up. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love the Lord. That verse would not be necessary if every prayer was always answered instantaneously. That verse is only necessary because the Bible talks about an enduring faith. Not just a faith to believe that God can and that God will, 
but an enduring faith, a faith that even when you don't see the answer, you're still holding on. You're still pressing on. You're still pushing through. Bishop Joseph Garlington says, we go from glory to glory, but it's hell in the hallway. When nothing's working the way it's supposed to, you have this verse to lean into. All things will work together for the good of those who love him. My final point today, if I really believe that I am significant, I carry with that belief an assignment to serve well, to serve well. In John 13, we see Jesus, he knows at this point that Judas is going to betray him. And Jesus takes a bowl of water and a towel and he washes the feet of his disciples. And G, G, uh, Peter says, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus replies, if you don't allow me to do this, then you can have no part of me. You can have no share, like a, a stakeholder, a shareholder. If you don't allow me to serve you, then you can't actually be co-heir, co-owner with this thing that we're doing. So Peter says, okay, wash all of me. Peter is like an all or nothing kind of guy. The pendulum swings hard both ways. And so first he says, don't wash me at all. Now he's like, yes, wash everything. Don't forget my toenails. And, and so Jesus says, your body's clean. I'm going to wash your feet. Jesus came to serve. And when you understand your significance, you're not afraid to serve. I'm not actually talking in this moment about serving in the context of lo local church, although that applies. What I'm really trying to get into your heart, into your homes today, is this notion of humility, of preferring others, loving others, being on the lookout for an opportunity to serve someone in some some capacity, understanding that nothing that you give to the Lord is wasted and nothing returns void. Your significance I suppose I've seen a number of people that build their significance around uh, the things that they do. We've all seen them. Oh, I, I did this and I did this for someone and I did this. And, and when, I, when I see that happening and people kind of righteously, and, and sometimes it doesn't even feel like a self-righteousness, it's, it's like this un, unharnessed zeal right? I did this and I did that. I say they, they don't get it yet. We have to come to a place where it's, it's not even about what you and I do. Some of us try to build humility in our life by, by pushing everything down and, and destroying the, the legacy that God has created inside of us. 
I've heard people say, not thinking, and if you've said this, like I have, no big deal. Let's change our, our language on it. But some of us say things like, if it hadn't been for God, I don't know where I would be. And that, that is true, 100%. But that is very self-centered. It is very self-centered to believe that God's motivation was our brokenness. God didn't rescue you because you were broken. God rescued you because he is love. You don't have to qualify for his rescue. It's just what he does. And so humility, if we're trying to build humility in our life today, maybe we should stop revisiting the past. Revisiting the past to elevate God will often bring guilt and shame on our life. You know what true humility looks like? Recognizing, having an awareness that the King of Kings has a towel and wants to serve you. That will humble you. Today our team is coming and we're going to do one last worship song. As we lean into and celebrate Jesus Christ, as our cornerstone. jobless 
penniless and maybe even faithless, but you serve a faithful God. And he's not stopped pursuing you. He's not stopped making a way for you. And so today I wanna lead us in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, for we know that if we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and heal our land. But also just a prayer of, of hope and blessing over you because you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You were born for such a time as this, and God is prepared already for you to walk in great victory. So let us pray together. Please join me. Father, we come before you today. God, any person that's watching right now online in their homes, I ask God that if they want to know you more, God, that you would just uh, receive them as they say to you, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for me. I receive the wonderful gift of salvation. And from this moment forward, my life will never be the same. God, anyone in their homes that have just said that prayer, God, I thank you that your saving grace has filled the room. Your word says that all of heaven rejoices in those moments. And God, now I just speak over your people your people who are watching all over this nation. God, I thank you that there's coming a release over their emotions right now in Jesus' name. God, that we would just pour out our tears upon your altar. God, that you would give us beauty for ashes. God, that you would turn our hearts not toward the current crisis of the day, because even when this crisis is over, there will be another but let us turn and fix our eyes on a God who is never changing, a God who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, a God who sees you right where you are, a God who has been pursuing you, not because you deserve it, not because you've done well, not because you're so bad. He's pursuing you because he just can't stop. He is so in love with you today and he sees you, he sees you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.